Welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we discover their leadership style and its influences, how they stay sharp, and their tips for leaders to get the best from their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the co-founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a better leader by learning from others. Even when bad things happen, when you go to either your team or your client even and explain to them, we really, really made a big mistake. And then you tell them how you're going to fix it. And you really admit that you were wrong. Nobody will turn you down. You will always get a chance. And one chance is all I need to turn things around. That's Katrin Jesser, CEO of BBDO Germany, one of the top 10 creative agencies in that market. In this episode, Catherine talks about being a real person as a leader and being a good fit for the times, how parenting has strengthened her predictability, consistency, and intentionality, why taking on the CEO role was a risk for her and the firm, sticking to plans and yet being able to handle curveballs, the power of being transparent, and seeing the learning opportunity in every challenge. Catherine, thank you very much for joining me for this episode of Manageable Conversations. Hi, Farley. It's so nice to be here with you and I can't wait to get this going. So really, really happy to be here. What would somebody say in answer to what kind of leader you are, Catherine? People would say that I'm a real person. So I try to behave just, it's very basic, actually, like a decent human being, being honest, saying the truth, try to be in time, react quickly, ask many questions, listen closely. So I would say I try to be as real as I can as a leader and to be as close to, to my teams as I possibly can. Where has this come from? Honestly, I think it's just my personality and I couldn't do it differently. So I think it's just the way I am. And maybe the, the times or the circumstances that we have right now in our, in our industry and in our time make me a leader that works well in this environment. Because I don't know if 10 years ago I would have been the leader that they chose for this position because leadership styles and um, the requirements for leaders, I think, changed. And I just happened to have this personality that works well in the time we are navigating right now. What about positive or negative influences? What um, leaders have you had exposure to that you thought, ah, <laughs> that's what I want to be like? Or perhaps, and, and maybe there's a hint of that in your re reaction, maybe there were some that you thought, definitely not going to be one of those. Yeah, but I don't see it in a negative way because I think you can always learn. I can learn from the bad examples because there are still, of course, I can say, oh, I don't want to be like that. But I, I observe that also in the, the bad examples, I see fractions of good and some things that maybe if I worked with someone that I didn't like that much, they still were successful in some aspects. And that's just also as worth learning from as the good examples. So I would say along the way, I learned from everyone I met and worked with and interacted with. I'm even learning from my child. I mean, things like um, predictability and consistency. I learned from my son because I see how important it is to, to walk your talk and to be made accountable for that. And um, this is something children can give to you. So basically everyone I meet has been and still is a teacher. You were appointed CEO at the beginning of this year. So a relatively new CEO. What led to you being the one? 
Well, I can only guess, but I was um, I was getting the call, and the people who called me made it very clear that this is going to be a turnaround story. And from what I saw from the outside, BBDO, which is the ad agency that I lead here in Germany, was at a point that it needed turnaround, business-wise, culture-wise, also in the public opinion, I think, it wasn't loved. So the conversation started with them asking me whether I was ready to take that position. And I reacted intuitively and said, no, <laughs> I thought... I thought CEOs must be 50. And the person I talked to, who I have huge respect for, he said, well, if you want to be really, really fantastic in this job, you have to start now. And the other point was, as I said before, it was clear from the outside and also from what they told me that it's it has to be a turnaround and it needs very, very fundamental change in how the company, the business, the clients and the culture is being led. And so my question to them was, why don't you get someone in who has done this a hundred times before? This seems like a really tough job. So why don't you get someone who's really experienced as a CEO? And they'd said something really really smart it was that um, if we do what has been done before we will get what we got before so i think it was the fact that i wasn't the usual suspect that i was probably a fresh face in that position and um, i have to admit and i know it was an experiment and it was a risk for them to appoint me to that role because it could have turned out differently and no one knew what was going to happen um, it was just clear that fundamental change was needed. And I have enormous respect for that decision. And so far, it turned out okay. It turned out well. This argument about it being now, what was that about? You or the urgency of the, the turnaround? I think both came together, mm -hmm. to be honest. I, I know they have been looking for to filling this position for quite a while. Right. And I think there were, were just some things coming together. As I said, it's uh, I have huge respect for that decision because honestly, in our market, a strategist becoming CEO at a relatively young age, being a woman is not what you see every day. So I'm I'm super super impressed by the global leaders of this company to make that happen and to to take that leap. What do you think ended their search with you? Ah, oh, I can't really tell you. I just know it was very fast in the end. Mm -hmm. It was just um, seemed at their side, it seemed common sense that this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you why, why it was a clear decision in the end. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine that it was the right energy and the right focus and understanding of what needs to happen. And that was just probably a common understanding of where we want to go. What is it about strategists in your industry that make them a rare breed as CEO? I think it's just um, that in our industry, especially in Germany, I don't know about other markets might be different. Suits are the commercial people, like the account people and the, the client leads, which is already wrong because I've been a strategist for over 20 years and, you know, they are responsible for knowing the brand in and out. They have enormous knowledge about consumers and the market. So strategists are not normally trained in the commercial side of the business, which is, um, from my point of view a huge mistake because it's so interesting as well i mean it's just um if you're a curious person i mean for me the financial side is almost as interesting because it's just you know numbers tell stories as well and i really want to understand all aspects of our business and i really want to understand what levers i have what do i need to do to also influence the commercial side and that's just um 
It's just super interesting. And um, but coming back to that, normally these worlds are a bit apart, and that's why normally um, the CEO is responsible for the commercial success and growth, and for guiding and consulting clients. And that's, I guess, why normally the commercial people who are trained for years in the commercial side of the business become the CEOs, which which has a certain logic, obviously. And I also I also needed to catch up on that and to get in all the numbers and ratios and everything but it's it's not rocket science you can understand it and when you understand it you can influence it and then that goes well but you need a certain interest for this kind of work as well and not everyone might have that and there are very very different kinds of strategy people and planners who really want to be you know in the very analytical and, and data-driven side and would never want to talk to clients every day because they are more interested in other things and that's fine I depend on those people but but there are other people and other strategists who love this kind of work. And yeah, I've always had the luck to know, to get to know both worlds. Before I joined BBDO as CEO, I was CSO in Switzerland. And before that, I was already also in the management of an ad agency in Berlin, DDB. And so I always try to learn as much as I can about both worlds, management of agency and leading strategy. You've hinted at a sort of going up a learning curve. Have there been other challenges? And I'm particularly thinking about you as an exception, as an exceptional CEO. You know, how's that played out? Has that landed well? Or has there been some resistance of some some kind or other challenges that you face, Catherine, as you've kind of taken on the CEO ship? I mean, there are thousands of challenges every day, and I probably make a hundred mistakes every day. What I can say is that it was super, super helpful for me to be trained as a planner because what I did before I started was undercover going in already analyzing where the biggest challenges were and then when I started in January I came in with a plan and that's just so important I think you cannot come into a position like that and start looking around and starting to understand what's happening and what you're going to do but you need to come in with a goal and a plan to get there because that put me into this position position where I could um, um, already two weeks after I was in present my strategy to the global board a week later to the whole team and you need to make decisions very fast and I think coming into a position like that the only thing you don't have is time so as I just said you need this plan and you can't do without it but you have to be aware that there are many many things you can't plan for because you get curveballs every single day because everything happens so quickly and there's so many tasks and so many things to change, to fix, to understand, to bring forward, to kick off, to follow through. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge is to follow your plan, but be and stay flexible and agile to react to what's happening every day. And I think the multitude of tasks and things that you want to achieve and that need to be achieved. I think that's the big challenge, the complexity of everything you have to do in order to get where you want to get. Do you think at all about the signal you send as CEO, Catherine? I'd love your reflections on that as a role model for certain segments, perhaps. You very much characterized your appointment as an unorthodox move. Honestly, I wouldn't know what the orthodox way would be. So I'm very intuitive and I, I do what I think is best, as good as I can and with all the energy and power that I have. And I wouldn't know what the normal way would be. Mm. 
because I've not been trained in that. Mm. I, I can't really tell you what's unorthodox about it. I can just tell you what what's important to me. And that is, and maybe a bit unorthodox is that I give total transparency to our teams about what's going on about financials. It's super important to me that everybody understands the context of my decisions and of our decisions in the management. Because, I mean, I've been in this industry so long and I've always been at the receiving end of management decisions. and. I understand because I've been there and I've gone through all the stages and all the hierarchies that the only thing that really works is being honest and transparent. Even, and that's my biggest learning so far, is that even when bad things happen, when you go to either your team or your client even and explain to them, this is what happened. These are the reasons it happened. We really, really made a big mistake and we weren't careful enough or this or that. And then you tell them how you're going to fix it and you really admit that you were wrong and yet that you, you made a wrong decision. Nobody will turn you down. You will always get a chance and one chance is all I need to turn things around. And that's probably the most important thing. And that might be a little unorthodox. I always give as much transparency as I can because I just learned that it's the best way to deal with basically everything that's happening. The move from Switzerland back to Berlin and taking on this new role, knowing it was a turnaround feels like a lot of work, a lot of pressure. You know, what helps you stay on top of what seems to be a good game? I'm quite stress resistant. Mm -hmm. I don't have problems with pressure. It's not that I don't feel it. It's not that I don't see it, but I can cope very well. And that has always been the case. I'm very, very calm when storms come. And maybe that's the secret. Of course, it also helps to have a family and to be with my son and to be in a totally different context. And I think I enjoy it all the more because I am traveling a lot and I don't have that much time with him. So I'm very conscious about every second and every breath and every conversation and every meal I have with him. I just enjoy it to the fullest. And that makes me very calm. And I have great partners, Alessa, my CFO, and Jonathan, my CCO, Chief Creative Officer. They're my biggest supporters and also my biggest critics, and I can totally rely on them. And that helps a lot because nothing can ever be achieved alone. And I think that these are three very important factors that help me doing this. I'm grateful for that. We haven't got into what was that more of the same that was undesirable and what is the new that you're creating. I'd love to get a sense of some of these changes that you're behind or you're leading. And how does that play out in the broader industry? So the thing is that the agency was perceived very distant and a bit a bit cold, maybe. So it wasn't loved. It was always respected because it is a very iconic brand and was not approachable. Mm. So very closed doors, very many secretaries before you could speak to anyone. Very old school, to be honest. And really, in another time... It was just the way it was and nobody would have noticed even because everything was like that a while back. But times are changing and the change that needed to come was to, to really open up, to have more personality, warmth really understand what's going on in the company, what clients are there, what people are working there, how do you work, 
what's your office like? You know, there was nothing out there. Before I joined the company, I really had no feeling for what kind of vibe I would find there. It just wasn't public. And everything that comes with that, you know, the public perception and it also has influence on the talent market, obviously, and on the new business pipeline. And internally, I can say that the agency had a merger last year. So three different entities were brought together. And that, as you can imagine, needs huge cultural change. And you have totally different cultures. You have different um, nationalities. You have different ways of working. You have also different standards and different skill sets that you need to bring together and actually build a new agency. And that was the job. And that's what we're doing. Any tips just in general from your experience of managing and leading you know if you think about aspiring managers and leaders within organizations or existing ones there is no formula obviously it always depends on the job to be done but as i said before you have to look into it deeply you have to listen you have to understand what's going on with the particular company or unit or team or client needs, you need to have a goal, you need to make a plan, and you need to act quickly. Because as I said before, the only thing you don't have is time. Because especially in terms of transformation, or if you know that change is needed, it needs to happen fast. And people need to see change and action very quickly. But also be patient, because there will be curveballs, and things will slow down naturally. It's really important to, to stick to your plan, but also stay flexible, because there's many, many things you just cannot prepare for. Probably the most important thing is to really enjoy the ride, especially when you lead transformation. It's a lot of work and a lot of pressure, but you will never learn more. So you also have to enjoy the ride because it's really an outstanding opportunity as a person to, to grow. And you go as a person, as a leader, you also go through your personal metamorphosis while doing this. What's important is to really, if you if opportunity comes knocking, you have to do it always. And what I do in life, in my job and in my life is always I assess situations by simply asking myself, what's the worst that can happen? And if I can live with the worst that can happen, I will always do it. Because the worst that can happen is I learn something and it will take me to another place. So always do it. And I think it's important to lead. I mean, as leaders and um, as well as parents, we have a responsibility, especially when the world is a mess, to stand there straight, shoulders back and help each other get through that. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic way of thinking, Catherine. And thanks for sharing that. Thank you so much, Farley. I've never had this whole year the opportunity to reflect on some things because it was um, a really, really past and busy year. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to, to think about those things and to maybe reflect some more. If you enjoyed this Manageable conversation, search for manageable.works and discover how we help managers everywhere boost well-being and performance through a coaching style of leadership. 